Are you currently rocking a sweet rental or booth rental salon and you would like to change over and not just go from being a sweet renter, but become a commission salon? Well, good news. That's what today's podcast is all about. Let's do it. Salon owners are some of the most amazing people on planet Earth. The only problem is sometimes their hearts are so big and they give so much of themselves to their staff and guests that it creates unintended consequences. Our goal is to change the industry by elevating the way the rest of the world sees salons, spas, and barbershops and give it the credibility that it truly deserves. This is the Salon Owner Evo Revo Show. Today's podcast is brought to you by Salon Scale, allowing you to charge by what you know, not by what you feel. Welcome to today's show. You're hanging out with me, Jason Everett, and uh, my partner in crime, Mr. Doug Campbell. Good morning, Doug. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Well, hey, today's topic is all about uh, how do you take if you were running a um, if you were running a booth rental or you were sweet rental you were operating as a solo operator somewhere and you said you know one day i would like to actually be a commission salon i think there's a large leap that can happen if you want to do it and by the way if you're listening right now or you're on with us live do me a favor and just comment if you are a sweet renter or booth renter right now do me a favor and say renter or uh, renter in there that would be totally fine and i think there's a big jump that happens that if you want to start building a team there's some really cool things you need to do. We're gonna cover that today. But Doug, why on earth would somebody go from being a rental uh, to switch over to commission? Because I think so many people left commission salons to go rent a suite because there's more convenience. There, there's a perception they make more money, which we've talked about on previous podcasts about how it's often the exact same amount of money or even less. But why would somebody switch from just being a solo operator to actually starting a commission salon? Well, I mean, like to your point, one, they had worked for a commission salon and it really probably wasn't ran correctly, uh, yeah. more than likely, it, it, which is that, but yeah, that, that's changing. Uh, but then, you know, they went off into booth rental world, suite rental wor world, and found out that the grass isn't actually greener on the other side, that now totally. they're on an island by themselves. They may work with other people inside the building, but they're not a team. Um, you know, it, it, and a, a lot of the suite rental places can get very clicky. Uh, it, you know, a lot of self-interest. Uh, there's not retail to prescribe. There's a lot of things you come to the realization right. that, you know, and I'm having to do a lot more stuff myself that I didn't have to do whenever I worked for a commission salon. And I think the things that the, the thought that goes through people's heads, like, you know, if I were to ever run a salon, it would be an amazing salon. I think you could be right. Right. I mean, right. You could be right. right. But the thing is, how do you do it the right way so that yeah. you do so that people love to work for us? Because the thing is, if you got a booth rental salon or a suite rental, uh, and you worked for 20 years, whatever it is, and you're ready to hang up your shears, you've got nothing to sell. All that client right. that you built up, I mean, someone get, may give you 50 bucks for your client list, but I mean, that's about what you're going to get for it. You may right, but people are going to, they're going to naturally go to somebody else. They're going to try somebody else. When you retire, they're just going to go find their own stylist. They're not just going to roll right. over. And so, right. and this is the thing, right? Is like, there's kind of two scenarios, you know, like Kara Archer, she's on here. What's up, Kara? Good morning, by the way. She said switching to commission salon was the best thing that she ever had done. So thank you for saying that. And again, there's kind of like two, twofold. One is if you run a rental salon, you have staff that work there, or I should say, shouldn't say staff. You have renters that work there and you want to switch to commission. That's one way to do it. What we want to talk about today is what if you just rent a booth somewhere and you're like, look, I do really well. And Doug, you were saying maybe they're doing eight grand, 10 grand, 12 grand a month in revenue. And they're like, okay, 
I'm doing all the work. I'm doing way more than I should. I have a lot of business. Maybe I should pack up with a couple friends, right? I'm going to grab a couple of the sweet renters. Let's go get a bigger salon. Let's grow this thing. But I think that's a pretty large jump for people very often. And they make some mistakes. So, you know, what are some of the mistakes that people often make when they go from one or, you know, or they grab a couple friends, right? They grab a couple friends and start their own salon. What are some of the mistakes? I think mistake number one is grab a couple friends, right? Is like what ends up happening is they go, well, look, you rent over there. I rent over here. If we pool our money together, we can just do what we're doing in this salon suites or whatever it is. And we'll leave and go do it together. And we'll all still maintain all of our own thing. We'll just be independent. But we'll all kind of work together in a nicer space, right? Is they kind of take the rent. They do the rent assessment. They're like, oh, we pay about this much rent. Let's just get our own space. Yeah, I mean, that's one. But I think, I think thing is, just, you know, make sure you got clear agreements and you know what the structure is that you're going to set right. it up. Because uh, like I said, you, you you may be, you may be able to create that perfect commission salon that people love to work at. You've worked with a team. Everybody enjoys coming. Everybody's elevated. And then in you know, 15, 20 years, you actually have something to sell uh, yeah. that other people can buy into. And Kara, good to see you on here. I talked to Kara just a little, bit, a little while earlier today. Um and she's doing amazing. I mean, she is one of those ones that went from, you know, the booth rental thing just wasn't doing it for her anymore and was uh, got disillusioned with what it was and the promises right. that it had put out there. And, you know, to her credit, she ran her, her sweet business legally and legitimately, um, it, which it's not always the case. But you know, setting up your uh, to make that leap over to do your commission salon, you can make sure that you you won if you're going to bring other people with you are they going to share in the ownership if they do have a clear right. ownership agreement so we know how we're doing this uh and then also i think that two of the biggest things is that learning how to bring on new team members because the instinct is i'm just going to look for people that have a book of work uh right and, that's another big mistake right because you bring on people and you you, you know it's a, the, the curse of this industry we want to see the best in everybody and so he's like oh yeah it seems like an amazing person just like i was when i was at that stage or whatever um right. and then they get in there and they're, they're complete train wreck because they brought on a lot of other baggage with them uh and not that right. someone with a book can't work out but there again you guys have clear agreements to what the expectations are um you know it, building your team up i think you really need to wait till you get to five six people minimum before you do a code of honor i think that's a good place to start thinking about doing a code of honor sometimes people do them too early if there's three of us and we do a code of honor well it's not going to be that impactful as we build our team uh, right. We need to get more more brains. Which, on which that. by the way, if, if you've never heard of a code of honor, it's a set of rules that you establish once you have you know, your first five or six team members, and it's the, it's a set of rules that's built by the team. I think one of the biggest right. mistakes that you can do is try to legislate too much too soon, right? And so like you start and you say, "This is how I'm going to run it. This is how it's going to be," and let's go. And then you try and find people who can be legislated. You got to have a little bit of a looser rule in the first little bit and understand what your values are that you're going to uphold. Uh, but don't set your code of honor up yet. So Doug, I just want to make sure we are clear on this is one of the biggest mistakes people make is they bring on friends or they bring on mm -hmm. people with a book of business and you kind of have a bunch of like, for lack of a better term, like wild stallions, right? Like you have all these wild stallions that are coming together that don't necessarily work together, that are all trying to do their own thing, fiercely independent. And then they do, you, you kind of alluded to this one too, is they just say, let's just split it. Let's split everything three ways. But then what ends up happening is very quickly, there's no rules for the owners. And so what ends up happening is one person does more work. One person wants to take more time off. One person does the bookkeeping. And there's really fuzzy agreements on who needs to do what to establish a business. And I've seen this happen over and over again is three people leave, go start a salon, and they're not clear on who's 
doing what in the salon? Who's responsible for hiring? Who's responsible for uh, the front desk? Who's responsible for the bookkeeping? Who's like, how is that all getting broken down? And so one of the best things you can do is get a really clear, what's called an operating agreement for you as the ownership team and say, who's responsible for what? And one of the most important things that you get discussed when you're building a new business, I think a lot of people forget, is what happens when we need money. Okay, mm -hmm. this comes up a lot, right? Is that what people will do is they will start a salon and they'll go, well, hey, we need, we need, uh, oh, I saw Mandy on here. She said, this was literally my first salon. Uh, Mandy Pulse, thanks for commenting on that, right? Is that what ends up happening is you, you go, oh crap, we paid for the salon. We've now got rent, but now all of a sudden on month four, we've got to cover $500 in extra rent or we had a, a hiccup or an issue and all of a sudden we need $2,000. Well, if you have three owners, technically that $2,000 should be divided out by all three of you and on all three of you add that in because if you're equal owners, you should share in that risk. But what happens very often is one of the people who works there happens to have the $2,000 and they pay for it. And then you start getting these really weird agreements. It's like, well, I'll pay for this if you work extra hours. And like, it starts to get really shady and you get out of exchange, you get out of balance. People start hating on each other and they go, well, then I'm just going to leave and you got to buy me out, which I would say that's something that Doug and I have talked about is something called a buy-sell agreement, which is one of the things that people forget to do very often, in my opinion, and Doug, we've seen this happen over and over again, is people go into it never thinking about what happens when we break up. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, like, it's like a business prenup. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but that's li literally what we're talking about is a business prenup to be able to say, okay, if we part ways, how do we part ways? Do we part ways at the value we bought in for? Do we part ways at the current value of the business or if somebody wants to duck out in the first two years they just forfeit their cash what what is the agreement you want to put in place to actually build up the business because if you don't put that prenup in place you're going to start one hell of a fight when one person has a family emergency and they need to leave the operation or when somebody physically gets injured and can't work or has some other issue and then they, and then all of a sudden you have this issue that's going to wreck your salon because you didn't think about it in advance Right, it's sense? the whole we're uh, you know we're friends. It's going to be amazing. We're gonna do it. yeah, we'll work. We'll it never out. have we're any problems. Yeah, so it, and it, and you know we've seen it where you know the people that were friends and they get the point that they, they don't have a clear path out and emotions come in because you're going right. to see it from your point of view uh, and they're going to see it from their point of view and it's going to be different because the one right. staying is going to see a certain value, the one leaving is going to see a certain value. Uh, right. So I have this clear agreement, <laughs> right? I think clear agreements on that yeah. stuff. It's super good. Take your time, set that stuff up right. The other thing right. I'd say is, as you're moving forward, the two things is is what is my hiring and training process? How do I get people indoctrinated into our culture? So I need to set right. that up ASAP. Know how I'm going to do it. Uh, and the other one is is get clear about being able to pay the ownership team or the owner, if it's just you, how are you going to be paying yourself besides what you're making behind the chairs? One of the biggest mistakes I right. see people make. Even, even a small amount of money, have something right. there for you something. as pay. I don't yeah. care if it's $25 a week, but yes. that you start down that road. You start with the principle that you should be paid because what happens if you don't, you get bitter. Um, yeah. You know, you put it in, you know, then, then you, you bite somebody's head off one day. It's like, you know, all I make is what I make behind all this other stuff I'm doing free and you people don't appreciate it. You know, it all you know goes crazy, uh, and it and it's because you've got you have you have sacrificed another. But I mean, tell you a secret, nobody cares. Uh, but, 
but you care and it becomes you a problem. Care. So to prevent that from happening in the beginning, set it up. So this is what I'm going to pay myself for doing right. the extra things. Uh, the other thing that I would say is to budget in. It's like we got our, our tool called the Genesis budget, which is a very good budgeting forecasting tool. Yeah, and the academy. Um, yeah, inside the academy. Uh, but you know, to, to go ahead and figure out when can I get a front desk as soon as possible? Totally. Uh, that's what I think people drag their feet on. They drag their feet on owners paying themselves for the work they're doing that's not behind the chair. That needs to happen. And we need to get a front desk person as soon as possible. Right. Uh, because I, that's going to move your business forward quicker than anything else. Let's talk about the first things that you need to add to the business that would be the most helpful and give you the most leverage. We have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what are the first ads you need to make to your salon to go from being a solo operator to being a real, live, multi-person, legit commission salon. All we come back after the short break. We'll be right back. Hey, HPSA listeners. Let me ask you this. Are you tired of not knowing what your hair color is costing you on every appointment and watching it chew up your profit? Well, with SalonScale, we take the guesswork out for you. Using a mobile app paired with a Bluetooth scale, SalonScale will tell you exactly what your color is costing you on every bowl mix down to the gram. As you mix, SalonScale will also digitally store your formulas and track how much product is being used in real time. So you can manage your inventory, cover your expenses, and generate more profit in your salon. Use promo code HPSA10 to get 10% off an annual subscription. Salon Scale, the new standard for mixing color. So we're talking today, how do you go from being a booth renter or a, a suite renter to starting a commission salon? And what are some of the biggest mistakes? We were talking about a lot of mistakes are you bring your friends with you, you don't set up any rules, you don't have any plan for what happens if you break up with them, there's no uh, prenup, there's a lot of problems that come up with it. Uh, and Laban, I saw your hand up, I don't know if you have a question, do me a favor, type it in, we'll, we'll answer it if we can. Um, and I hopefully I said your name right. Uh, but what we want to talk about is what are the first things you need to install in your business in order to operate? And I see this. I, I saw there was a guy who, who called me a couple years ago and he said, Jason, I have a 10 chair salon, but it's just me in the salon. I've been trying to add staff for 10 years and I can't get anybody to come work for me. They work for me for a month and they leave. And I asked him a ton of questions about his salon. And you know what I realized, Doug? And I don't know if I've told you this story before, but what I realized was he was still running his 10 chair salon, like a solo suite rental mm -hmm. operator. Meaning he was running, he had Square on his phone. So he's charging everybody on Square on his phone. He was running all of his calendar on his phone. He was running his music from his phone. And he was basically a training camp for how to be a suite renter. Right? Yep. So he would, they would come in, see how he rocked what he was doing so efficiently as a solo individual. Oh, just saying hi. Well, good. What up, Labana? Uh, good to see you. Uh, as he would uh, run his salon, he would run it like an individual. And then when they would come in, they would just watch him completely run it on his own by himself. And then they would go, okay, well, I I'm going to do the same thing. But why would I pay this guy to work there? Why would I Why would I take the crappy commission I get here? Because he didn't have enough extra business. And this is what he would say. Hey, well, thanks for coming to my salon. There's your chair. Go get some business and uh, work there. And they would go, well, wait a second. Like I thought I was working in a commission salon. And, and he, he'd never really established anything helpful for them. So they would just leave and go rent a chair somewhere because they were doing all the work anyway. So how do, how do we transition, Doug, from that to a real live salon? What are the installs? I think that's a, a great point is you can't just take what you're doing as a booth renter and try to make it super booth rental. Right. <laughs> 
Every, uh, everybody it, do what I do, and we can just hang out together. Right. You got to go to real systems and treat it like a real business. Right. And the thing about it is, it, it, man, if you get it right, if you can do it right in the beginning, uh, your your chance to get to a profitable salon is so much faster. Right. Uh, than when we, and having to correct things once you get going. Like, Let's just go. Let's just do it. You know. Let's do it. Like, we got enough money for the rent. Let's do it. Right. You know. It, stop and, and think it through because it can be it can be amazing yeah. be something you can impact a lot of lives by having a team uh people can buy you out on this everybody can share in the ownership at some point in time but setting it up correctly so like i said you, know, you gotta yes yeah, so get, get you an operating system uh right. a pos that's going to grow with you don't don't get the minimum i know i've talked to people well we got this one because it was free um, right. Don't do that. Right. There's a super cheap version of it that right. does most of what we need versus right. get a legit operating system. You guys know we've done a lot of work uh, with Mevo 2. Uh, we've done some work with Forest. We've done a lot of different work with companies that are built to establish larger salons instead of solo operator systems. Remember? Right. And, right. They, I and now that, I mean, there's some POS systems that can really help you out. I mean, they, they really yeah. can do some marketing stuff for you. They can move you forward quickly. So I'd say do some research. Uh, figure out which one's going to work best for you, which one you can scale with. Right. Uh, and then like I can say, you get where you're paying yourself so that you're not upset about having to stay late and do extra things and do the right. payroll. Uh, hiring professionals as soon as you can. Uh, a, a really good CPA uh, is very mm -hmm. helpful. Uh, having a lawyer that you have a good relationship with will be very helpful. Yeah. And uh, I would say people. talking about getting people in this first level of like getting to a receptionist as soon as possible. Yep. Starting to market the salon name instead of your name. That's one of the other big mistakes that I see salons make is like, if I open a salon, it's called Jason's Salon or Doug mm -hmm. Campbell's Amazing Salon or the Doug, the Dugginator Salon. And you're like, well, okay, well now it's just your name on the building and you've put your name on the building and you want people to come work at Jason's Salon. Well, where's Jason? Oh, he's the guy over there. Who are you? Oh, I'm, I'm Tom. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. Doug, I'm whatever, I'm not Jason. Like, why would somebody want to come to work at Jason's salon? I think a lot of people try and get clever with that. And I, I know I've knocked this in the past and some people get mad at me because their name is the name of their, you know, their salon, uh, Jason's Hair Shack or whatever it is, right? And I think the idea is, <laughs> that, that's a good name, by the way, Jason's Hair Shack, that's what I'm using. Uh, but the idea is, is if you're going to call it, you know, Elite Salon or, you know, Cuts or whatever you're going to call it, is that's one of the th things that I think you can do is establish that you're building a business and the business is not you. Cause that's a big mistake I see salon owners make is they try and make it all about themselves. Cause that's what they've used to get themselves successful to the point that they are is they made it about themselves. Now you have to make the transition to it's about the team and about we here at whatever uh, electric salon or whatever it's going to be. I don't know. I have terrible salon names today. Uh, but the <laughs> idea of like here at this salon, right? It's, it's got to be about the salon. And so when you run ads, it can't be like Jason's so great. It's got to be here at, you know, this salon. We as a team, you got to change your language from me to we, and it really will change the outlook on how people operate. The other thing, going back to that guy who I said, who just kind of ran his own salon, is you need to start, uh, start advertising and filling up the salon with guest counts for other people. And you've got to start, stop taking all the new guests for yourself. If you're greedy with the new guests that come to the door and you're, you're more concerned about your books being full than your staff's books being full, they'll feel it and they won't stay. Right. right? I think that, so two things. One, you, you got to get clear on your branding, who you are yeah. as a brand, uh, get yeah. that super and to Jason's point, that's what you push is your brand, not individuals that work inside of it. That everything is, you know, get a logo, get something, everything that goes out has your brand on it somewhere. Right. Um, and then also it's like, yeah, 
To your point about as as people are coming in, you got to change the focus. A lot of them, a lot of salon owners say, "Well, in order to make it, I've just got to, I've got to, I'm the big generator. I've got to generate massive amounts of." Otherwise, we'll pay rent. Right. That that can be a a you know some bricks around your ankles, uh, and you don't want <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> um, hey but, Jeff, that, buddy. Right. So the the idea is what you want to do is say, "How quickly can I grow other people?" How quickly so that free me up right. to work on my business instead of in my business. If that's your intention in the beginning, instead of I'm just going to take it all on, I'm going to do it. I'm going to work 12 hour days. Well, I just need to work more. It's like, no, I need to train my team better. I need to bring people on and get them up to speed quicker so that my, my focus is growing my team. And so that I'm not adding to my book. I'm actually cut, starting to the process of moving my book backwards so that I can grow my team and get really focused on growing my team. And when you have your structure set up right, then that feeds everything the way it's supposed to feed everything. Right. A lot of times yeah. you don't set the business structure correctly to start off with. And that's why they feel like, oh, I just got to generate more cash because it's going out the door quicker than it's coming in. And that, that brings us to another point I want to drop out there, Doug, is that one of the best things you can do is establish one day a week where you work on the business. So, you know, I think another big mistake that people make, Doug, is they just spend all their time working behind the chair and they never plan out a day to work on the business. They don't plan a day to work on marketing. They don't plan a day to work on systems. They don't plan a day to work on those things. And so it's like schedule yourself eight hours, and I know it sounds crazy, eight hours of office time or start with four hours of office time and work on growing the business. How do you want the branding to look? How are you gonna hire people? How are you building relationships? When are you running job ads? How do you how do you actually build out the structure of the company? And again, you may need to, instead of just running the Instagram account that you've been running that's under your name, you need to start a new Instagram account under the name of your salon, right? right. And so that's, that's a whole different thing. Like you gotta adjust the feeling. Again, I repeat it over and over again because I think it's so important to switch from that me to we mentality is all of a sudden you are now responsible for filling up the books for other people. And and this we learned from a friend of ours uh, who wrote Profit First, Mike Michalowicz. He said uh, that you need to stop taking away jobs from other people, right? This is super important. This stood out to me a lot was when you open a salon and you work behind the chair, you're actually taking away work from the rest of your staff. Your job should be to give work to the rest of your staff. Like you should be so busy, you're peeling clients off of your schedule and putting them on to other people inside the salon to free you up to actually run the business. But what the problem is, is so many people are so used to working their face off that they just work their face off and then you neglect the people that are there that you're supposed to now be cultivating. So you've got to make a switch and transition from being the superstar to being a trainer, to being a teacher, to being a leader, to motivating others and getting them actually to work and stop trying to fight them to take away business from them, but give them your business. That's a huge mental shift for people. Huge. Yeah. And the, and the sooner that you can make it, the better. Uh, and the only other yeah. thing that I would say that's super important as you're thinking about or going out there is start building a relationship with the school. Yes. Uh, go to school, teach some classes, you know, talk about your dream of a salon, what you're doing. If you got a partner, both of you go and talk about it, get people excited about coming to work at this new thing. Right. Uh, but get that relationship going right off the bat instead of, mm -hmm. you know, waiting. And then I guess I need to, I mean, that should be one of the first things you do. I mean, it's like get our business structure, right. Get good clear yep. agreements in place, uh, have a plan to be paying myself for what I'm doing, not behind the chair, a plan for when I'm going to hire my, my first front desk person, get your branding where it needs to be. I think if you take time and walk through these things, um, then you're going to, you're going to set yourself up for success a lot quicker. A lot of people do it and they, they've hit the ground, they're running and about a year or two in, they're like, 
oh my God, why did I even do this? <laughs> right. Um, well, and, and this I is you have set it up right. Yeah, uh, Labana said it's like owning a cleaning company and doing all the work. It's like owning any company and doing all the work, right? Like if you started any business and you're the only employee, you've got to switch from being an employee to being an owner. Because as a suite renter, you are constantly stuck in a situation where you're the only employee and that's what you know. You now need to transition from being the only employee to being the owner and the leader of the business, right? Figure out who you can have who's doing other projects and jobs around you and you'll make that transition much smoother. Doug, I know we only got just another minute or so here uh, up on deck, but I just wanna find out, do you have any other hot tips on making this change from being a suite or booth renter on your own to becoming a commission salon? Any other hot tips you wanna sneak in here on this, this quick quick podcast episode? I think the biggest thing, just making sure that you've got a plan and you've checked all those boxes before you open the doors. Because uh, yeah. you're going to see, I mean, I, I really think this industry was meant as a team sport, not as individuals. Uh, it just works yeah. better. Uh, well people said. have, because they're, they're it, community. It's all about community. It's about it, working together. It's about changing people's lives. It's hard to do that when you're running something by yourself and you're alone. Because uh, life happens, you need the support of other people. This is just meant to be a team sport. I think we just need to learn how to run the team correctly. And that's why I say, let's set it up the right way uh, to start off with and get the right, as Manny just said, get the right uh, uh, mindset in place uh, so that you can run a really strong team and get the rewards both emotionally and financially from doing that. Yeah, completely. And I think that that's such a strong uh, way to look at it is just making sure that you're you're managing the talent, you're paying attention to who's around you. And I was just thinking about it when you said business is a team sport, Doug, it's just like, if you imagine trying to play a basketball game, and you're the only player on the court, that's what you're doing when you're operating a booth rental environment is you're literally you have to play every position and you're playing against another team. So that's the whole idea is a, a team salon environment will always outperform an individual because you're trying to play all the positions. And so your job is you now got to move from being the all-star player to being the team captain. And you can be on the court if you're a team captain, that's totally fine. But you need to be a you need to avoid being the all-star start supporting other people to be the all-stars. And I'm not saying divas. It's not what I meant. Don't let other people be divas around you. But what I am saying is start supporting other people, building up other people. The team captain's number one job is to find the players that are doing amazing and feed them the ball or do that. I know I got lost in a sports analogy there for a hot second, so if I lost you, I'm sorry. But if this was helpful today and you really got some massive value out of it, do me a favor and say helpful in the chat. Uh, saw a lot of action on this and discussion around how do you go from being a sweet renter to actually owning a commission salon. We want to help serve you and support you to do it. So thanks so much for being on today. Really appreciate all of you. And do me a favor, like I said, comment if this was helpful. Thanks for being on. Please subscribe. Please share this with somebody who's renting a suite, renting a salon, uh, or renting a booth, and that wants to transition. We'd love to help, help them out and share it. Thanks, Doug, for being on today. Yep. Good to be here, man. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Evo Revo podcast. Today's podcast was brought to you by Salon Scale, allowing you to charge by what you know, not by what you feel. Please subscribe, leave us a review, and you can always get more information, including show notes and the video episodes at evorevopodcast.com.